welcome in to 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. As always, I'm excited to be talking Colorado Rockies baseball with you here on the podcast. And we've got a transaction to talk about, not the one that many on the outside world and plenty of Rockies fans out there certainly on Twitter wanted, but I think a move that actually is very pleasing to Honestly, most of the fans, like the casual fans, and then I would say the fans who were really into understanding specifically the puzzle of the Rockies, rather than a lot of what I've seen today, which is people just taking this Daniel Bard news as an opportunity to run with their favorite theory about the Rockies. And I'm going to say one thing. I'm going to get into the Daniel Bard thing really quickly, but I've said variations of this before, essentially, when people tell you that... They totally don't understand the Rockies because the Rockies are not understandable. I recommend listening to those people and just recognizing that they don't understand the Rockies and so you shouldn't listen to what they have to say about them. I have read no fewer than 10 tweets today from people that have much, much farther reach in the world of Major League Baseball than I do that have said in one breath, the Rockies are completely impenetrable. You cannot understand them. There's no logic to what they do whatsoever. And trying to understand them is a fool's errand, right? And then in the very next breath, they go on to give a very specific diagnosis about what they think is wrong with the Colorado Rockies, what their precise problem is, whose fault it is, where it comes from, and the only thing that can be done about it, which is not signing 37-year-old relievers to extensions, but is rather trading them, tearing down, rebuilding, and trying to be good starting in 2025. Now, if you've listened to this show before, you obviously know that I am about as anti-rebuild as you can get. I'm not anti-restocking, and we've talked about that. I've written multiple articles and done multiple podcasts saying why I think they really should consider trading guys like Iglesias, Colome, you know, maybe even Randall Gritchick. Uh, a few others, and, and restocking the farm system a little bit. But why losing on purpose just fundamentally sucks. It's nowhere near the reward. Like People almost always think of the best case scenario when they think of tear down and rebuild for years in the future and restock the farm system and get a bunch of prospects. This process is almost over-romanticized. I should say almost always over romanticized by a consensus it is like prospects are wonderful to dream on but more often than not in these trades of guys who are really really good to star level talent and daniel bard quite frankly should have been an all-star this year and has been the best reliever in baseball by certain metrics those types of guys you're not going to get someone who's going to be as good or better than him in the next couple of years right and what's interesting is that most people who are bashing this signing recognize that. That, they're, that the chance that the Rockies are going to get somebody better is actually remarkably slim. The argument is just that the Rockies shouldn't even be trying to be good. They shouldn't be trying to win. They are fooling themselves into thinking that they're better than they are. And while I think there's a kernel to tr- of truth in, in a lot of that, I also think it's just the same old remarkable dismissal of this organization, which I have seen several people just come out 
and say in no uncertain terms that they just don't think the Colorado Rockies are to be taken seriously, and that's why they refuse to take the Colorado Rockies seriously. But you know, on this show, we get into it. We look at it from all of the angles. And I've actually already carved out why I thought keeping Daniel Bard was a good idea. Now that it's actually happened, for me personally, there's this great relief because if the trade deadline had come and gone, and they hadn't moved him, but I didn't have this other part. I was going to have to spend half the season with some people explaining that I think the Rockies have a decent shot to re-sign Daniel Bard, and that would totally legitimize them not trading him. That they've done it ahead of time, at the very least, saves me a great deal of headache, right? Because they're not going to repeat, because just yesterday... Frankly, just yesterday, the prevailing theory was the Rockies are going to do this and get nothing. Right, Those of you that follow them on a day-to-day basis, a couple of days ago, Bud Black came out with this really funny uh, car analogy, right? And, and he said to us, you know, some people are asking for a Range Rover and only trying to give us a Honda Accord in return. Basically saying people aren't offering us anything fair for our star players and he's laying the groundwork there for that they weren't going to trade Cronenbard, right? Who they consider to be their Range Rovers, I guess. I'm not big on the cars, but he laughed and said he wasn't really. But the analogy kind of works, I guess, right? But then a slew of people came out and said, the problem, buddy, is that you're going to lose your Range Rover entirely. So if you don't trade your Range Rover for your Honda Accord, you know, in a couple of months, you don't have either and you're going to be walking to work. Ha ha ha, got you. Extended your analogy, right? That was exactly what was going on all over my Twitter feed yesterday. I mean, this morning, right? They're going to get nothing. But now that's been proven not to be the case. So people have moved on to the next narrative piece. But this is important. As it turned out, they kept their, what they consider to be their Range Rover, which is, one of the most important pieces of their team, certainly their second best player at worst this year, Daniel Bard. So the question, the conversation really shouldn't be, in my estimation, or or at least it shouldn't be entirely the conversation about should the Rockies be tearing down and rebuilding. Like, let's at least have a little bit of the conversation about Daniel Bard specifically, what his value would have been worth in a trade, and what his value will be worth now that he actually has a contract, now that it's not a possibility that, hey, we might get to the offseason and they're going to lose him for nothing, and it's the John Gray situation all over again, and they get totally screwed every which way, which again, people were convinced was going to happen this morning. So now that's not going to be the case, the conversation should shift to what is Bard worth? What does he bring to the table? And can he continue to be close to as successful as he's been this year and a couple of years ago for the next two years? And I actually asked Bud Black that very question. Of course, he gave his answer that he, he, he thinks that he can. And I brought up something that I see a lot of people leaving out, whether it's purposeful or not. And I think a lot of it is purposeful. A lot of people pointing out that Daniel Bard is 37 years old without pointing out the fact that he didn't pitch in Major League Baseball for six years. And it's not the same. Now, that's not to say you can just take those years off and say, so he's basically a 32-year-old pitcher. Kind of, you know, there's still something to be said that the wear and tear, trust me, (laughs) believe me, as you get into your mid to later 30s, your body's not operating at peak baseball playing levels typically. 
but to treat Daniel Bard as the standard 37-year-old reliever is simply disingenuous. And I sent out a tweet to this effect, and I stand by it, that you should basically disregard the analysis that leaves that part out of the picture because it's purposefully downplaying or completely dismissing the one thing that makes the most sense from the Rockies' perspective, which is they think he's a really good pitcher. And they think he's going to continue to be a really good pitcher for the next two years. If they are trying to compete, they're going to need Daniel Bard and other people like him in the bullpen. This team has had a very difficult history of getting quality, reliable closing pitchers who also want to be here. Daniel Bard also brings an extraordinary amount of veteran presence. He's basically another coach out there. He's actually been a coach in Major League Baseball before. He has that unique thing going on where, you know, he was a mental skills coach for the Arizona Diamondbacks before he signed with the Colorado Rockies. He is extraordinarily valuable to this club. So two years... $19 million a year, or for those of you who are really good at the math, nine and a half mil a year. If he's as good as he's been this year, that's a steal. Now, that's probably not going to happen, right? I think there's, I've seen a lot of people saying the Rockies are counting on Daniel Bard to repeat his career year at age 37, and that's absolutely ridiculous. This is the highest, this is the peak of as good as he's ever going to be, and that's why you trade him now for, you know, a bunch of prospects or whatever. But First of all, I don't think that's necessarily the case. But second of all, the Rockies aren't paying him $20 million a year, which is what some top elite closers get. And Daniel Bard has been an elite closer this year. But the dollar amount that he's getting... Now, I I will say this. I would bet he'll come in just under that value. From, From a pure analytical standpoint... I would be willing to bet, and we were talking about this in my Discord channel, that I think he'll be a $7 million a year pitcher for the next couple of years. Very valuable to the Rockies, still fantastic in a late-inning role, and not scared to pitch at Coors Field. Really important stuff for this team. And if they're going to go on any kind of run in the next two years, and remember two years from now, we're talking about Zach Veen and Drew Romo and Ezekiel Tovar, and all of these guys should be on the team. So, you know... In addition to any other number of trades or free agency moves that the team can make between now and then. So when people are saying there's absolutely nothing that the Rockies could do in the next two years during this Bard contract, again, that is just the part where I most stringently disagree. I don't think that because the team has had a really bad season... And, you know, yeah, there's a lot of guys who've underplayed and there's a lot of moves that need to be made. And we'll get into that. We'll keep having this conversation. I don't think they're going to stand as pat as people think either. But again, the people who were telling you yesterday that the Rockies were going to not trade Daniel Bard and then lose him for nothing have moved into projecting what's going to happen for the Rockies two years from now, how they're not going to do anything in the offseason, how they're just going to, quote, run it back. And I don't think that's true either. In fact, Dick Monfort said uh, a year or so ago during the financial conversations basically in the and i know we're not actually out of the pandemic and i hate it when people just use this phrase but post pandemic certainly post the pandemic directly impacting everything in major league baseball right that they were going to increase their budget year by year and that it should by next season be back to kind of the levels where it had been in 17 and 18 right and 
and I think 19. Uh, I don't know why I left that off, because uh, it's a bad year. Uh, <laughs> but that means I think they're going to increase the budget again this offseason. They're going to do some more stuff. And will it be enough? We'll have to, we really have to evaluate those things when they happen. And while I understand this desire to want to play 4D chess for five years from now and how there are some teams who have made that look really attractive and romantic, there are also plenty of teams, and I feel like I name them all the time, but here I go again one more time. The Mariners until very recently, Cincinnati, Baltimore, Kansas City, Pittsburgh, San Diego until very recently. A lot of these teams that have employed a lot of these methodologies, and it doesn't lead to success four or five years from now. It just leads to an endless cycle of ever rebuilding, right? And so what the Rockies are doing here is saying, yes, we're going to try to compete again next year. We think that Daniel Bard's going to be an important part. And, and again, that's just factual. If if they can make themselves into contenders, and I think another, or not con- like World Series contenders, you know, I mean, d- division winners, but I think we also need to get used to this new world of like barely being over 500 might get you a postseason spot. And so while a lot of people are like, that's not the thing that you should be aiming for i do you know i've had a lot of people tell me how's a team that's on pace to win 72 games like how are they gonna in immediately turn themselves into postseason contenders i'm like improving by eight to 15 games is really not the miracle that it's often made out to be uh, you can look at several times in the Colorado Rockies history where they've improved by that much simply by graduating a couple of key prospects and maybe making one key signing. You know, the world at large did not see the 17 and 18 version of the Rockies emerging largely because they were dismissive of the Rockies' farm system containing guys like John Gray, Trevor Story, Kyle Freeland, David Dahl, Rymal Tapia, Ryan McMahon, Scott Oberg and I was like pumping all those guys up and didn't see Scott Oberg becoming what he became right so things like that obviously need to happen and you can't always be sure of it but when you're hunting on seasons before they've happened that are not just this season but next season and the one after it you're cutting off any possibility for those things it just seems fundamentally wrong to me and like I said I get there are some teams that have Turned that into World Series championships in Houston and Chicago. But that doesn't guarantee that if you just follow that formula, you're going to get that same payoff. You could very well and just as easily end up going the other direction. So outside of all of that conversation, though, and again, long debates to be had there over lots of different things going on in the organization. What's frustrating to me about the Daniel Bard conversation right now is that he's a good pitcher, a great pitcher right now, probably going forward, at least a good pitcher who wants to be in Colorado, who plays a vital role, who makes the team better. And they're not going to get, look, he's not Luis Castillo. He's not a starting pitcher. You're not going to get another team's three of their top five prospects for Daniel Bard. You're probably not going to get one of another team's top five prospects for Daniel Bard. Maybe, you know, especially because he hadn't been signed to another contract yet. So it was for half of a season of Daniel Bard. 
you know, maybe a team's top 10 prospect. Maybe. And even then, you know, I think that the Rockies are making the conscious effort to try to build something here. And while most people are rejecting the notion that they should even be trying, if you get past what you think they should be doing and look at what they say they are doing, there's really not a way to look at this Daniel Bard thing and say that it doesn't make sense. You know, just because people reject what the Rockies' plan is doesn't mean that they don't have a plan. They have been very specific about their intentions. They are telling us over and over again. And I know that people think that makes them a joke or unserious or whatever, and fine. If that's the case, I can honestly just say to those people, I highly recommend picking a different baseball team to root for. If something like this just makes you angry that the Rockies are keeping around a great ball player who wants to be here and who has managed to achieve success in a role that very few guys have and that the team is committed to trying to win even if they don't always pull the right levers and push the right buttons to make that happen that they aren't just going to be terrible on purpose and rake in all of the money in the meantime and hey if it doesn't work out years from now well just keep rebuilding and keep restocking because prospects make people like it. You can always get excited about prospects, man. And I'm excited about several in the Rocky system and it's easy, but it's because it's all in the immortal words. Cause I was like, I'm about to quirt, quote, 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 Biggie Smalls here in the immortal words of a poet of our times. It's all a dream. And obviously every player at one point was a prospect. But having a fantastic farm system is something that the Pittsburgh Pirates have had for years and years and years and years and years and and it hasn't led to anything. Accruing proven major league talent is an okay thing for a baseball team to do, even if right now they're out of it. And I've made no bones about that. I wrote an article about how they should sell. I've come on here and talked about plenty of players that I think they should trade in recognition of that fact. But that is of the goal in mind to try to compete next year, which I don't think is an illegitimate goal. And I think it's quite frankly sad for the state of baseball that so much of the media and so many fan bases are angry at their own teams for trying to compete. And other fan bases are praising their teams for trying to lose. What are we doing here? What dystopia is this? where you would rather play clever games behind the scenes than just try and sometimes fail, oftentimes fail, most of the time fail. I don't know. Maybe I'm an old soul or whatever that phrase means. Maybe I watched too much Mighty Ducks and Ninja Turtles when I was a kid. 
you know, there's something to holding your head up high and saying, we're proud of the fact that we're out here trying to win. We're doing our best for you every season within our means to win. And yeah, we screw it up because they misplace their resources. They make bad decisions. And I can go down a long list. But it is frustrating how many, how common it is that the issue is that they're even trying. And that they should just pack it in and give it up. And again, I've even seen some people today making it pretty blatant that I even saw somebody I very much respect say essentially like, yeah, this move makes sense for the Rockies and it actually makes sense for Daniel Bard and and we should keep a couple of things in mind. It just sucks that this really awesome player and this really great story is stuck on this franchise that I just can't have any respect for and refuse to pay attention to. And it's like, cool. I mean, I guess they're saying all the quiet parts out loud now. But it's it's wild, man. I think the Daniel Bard extension is, by most reasonable accounts, pretty great thing for the team. The, the fear should have been that he would leave. Because you can't compete without a bullpen, and he can absolutely anchor a bullpen. And those guys are few and far between in baseball in general. And he can probably transition right into a coaching role, like right after he's done with the Rockies. Oh, and, and that reminds me of one more thing I wanted to mention on this saga. One other argument that I've seen out there, here and there. And I, and I can hear some people saying, Drew, they could have done all this if he was willing to sign a two-year extension with the Rockies. They still should have traded him because they could have traded him for a couple of prospects, maybe a prospect. They get that guy, and then Daniel Bard still becomes a free agent in the offseason, and they can sign him then. And that thought process, to me, is very much, I think, where the disconnect is between me and the general consensus on this because human beings are playing this game. Daniel Bard is a human being. He's not a machine. He's not a collection of data on a spreadsheet or behind a computer screen. He's a person and people often, not everyone, but some people don't really like being jerked around like that. And I would always challenge these people. This was something people said also about, you know, John Gray, for example. But we saw that in the offseason, John Gray's agent, did, you know, decided to, to get him to go to another team. Some guys... Maybe they would overlook it, but I would challenge anyone who who goes through that thought process say, give me the names of the people who've done this before, right? Give, give me someone who's been traded off of a team and then immediately signed right back with the team. 
It's easy for all of us sitting detached in a way and viewing it like it's a video game to say, well, just trade him and sign him back as though the guy's not going to take it a little bit personally that you traded him away. Not everyone does. Some guys do. A lot of ballplayers, I've come to learn, their one of their biggest priorities is finding consistency. A lot of guys, it's really tough, man. Bouncing around the league, being a journeyman. Like baseball is enough on the road as it is. You spend enough time away from your family when you're not having to change where your you know, base of operations is. I've talked to CJ Crone about it. I've talked to Charlie Blackman years ago about this. And obviously, we see guys are happy to sign on different teams and change cities. And, you know, when they have, especially when they've got the decision in their hands, free agency, right? But not just having to go somewhere, you know, again, unless you get traded. And some guys are very happy to be traded onto a contender, get to finish out the season and, and pitch those high leverage games and maybe go be a hero for some postseason team. Some guys love that, but every, they're people. They're all different. And so that's something that I think gets left out when I when I hear folks say, oh, we'll just do it like this. Oftentimes that that's not a possibility in in the real world when dealing with human beings. You know, you can't just like in MLB the show, if you make the right contract offer, well then they'll sign anyway. Like they might be like, you know what? Screw you. Like I thought we had a good thing going and you guys Apparently thought you needed that prospect better than me. So I hope that prospect works out for you. And some guys might go back. But like I said, it's a rare thing. That is few and far between. That people get traded off of teams and then just go and sign right back with them. So what the Rockies really did today was for a reasonable price, lock up the most important person in their bullpen so that, and this is the very key clause, if they make a number of other moves that are smart and line the puzzle of this team up properly, they're going to need Daniel Bard at times over the next two years. And while I think it's a long shot given the specific point of the roster right now and that the top, top prospects really are more likely to be 24 guys as opposed to 2023 guys, it's it's harder to see them competing immediately next year. But in 24, everything is still on the table. They could be, so much can change in two years. So much can ch- change. Look at the Rockies 2015 roster. that like Troy Tulowitzki and stuff on it. And look at the Rockies 2017 roster when they started going to the postseason. Those are very very different rosters and they didn't make a ton of transactions then either right obviously Tulo was the big one and I and I named a bunch of prospects I think are going to be around I do think there are going to be some trades here of uh, a few guys uh, not the big names that a lot of people were apparently hoping for but like I said before it was always a setup so that they could do this that's the other thing that's so frustrating is like Anyone paying attention knew the Rockies were much more likely to sign Daniel Bard than they were to trade him for this precise reason. And they've come out and told us why. They think he's going to be good, and they think they're going to try to compete. And if they're going to try to compete, you need your closer. You just do. 
You just need this guy. And okay, they might be bad next year. And they might be bad the year after. But if they aren't. And that's a lot to hang your hat on for two years. They happen to be decent in either. Are any of these people going to go back and say, well, it's a good thing that they signed Daniel Bard. Now he's a key piece of this team that's on the cusp of competing. I hope so. I hope they will. Because if it goes the other way, and the Rockies are just terrible for the next two seasons, I will be here saying, well, you know, they thought it was a good idea to sign Daniel Bard, but in the long term, it turns out they could have traded him. Or they should have traded him. Though, of course, now, if Daniel continues to be good through the remainder of this season, they could always trade him in the offseason. Or at next year's trade deadline, if he continues to be good through the first half of next year, and they would theoretically have even more value available because he'd have a year and a half as opposed to just the half year remaining on his contract. So it's not even like if next year gets off to a horrendous start and people are going, see, told you the Rockies were absolutely ridiculous to think that they could compete whatsoever. You can trade Daniel Bard then unless he's completely imploded. But that's why that has to be a part of the conversation. That's why I keep going back to that. Because in all of this, I haven't really seen anybody willing to take the analytical step and say, Daniel Bard is not going to be good over the next two years. If he's good, then that opens up all kinds of things for the Rockies. Whether it's competing with him as a part of that team, or just trading him next year for equal or even greater value than they could have traded him for this year. The entire argument for this being a bad move for the Rockies really does come down to him needing to fall off a cliff over the next couple of years in terms of his production. And I haven't seen any of these people bashing the move willing to go out on a limb and say that that's going to be the case. They hint at it by highlighting his age, 37 years old, Tell me that you think he's going to be bad. Let's put our, our bets down on that. That's where I'm going to the bet the six-pack of beer, right? That That's where I'm at with the consensus right now. I'm going to take the bet that over the next two years, Daniel Bard is close to worth the value of that contract. And that leaves the Rockies open any number of possibilities from here on out. And that means that a lot of what's going on today in terms of the negative analysis about this move has nothing to do with this move. The same way that the hate of Chris Bryant has nothing to do with Chris Bryant. It has everything to do with Nolan Arenado. The hate on this Daniel Bard move has actually nothing to do with Daniel Bard or this move because it makes sense for the team. Arguably makes sense for Bard because he's comfortable here. And if he's good, that's it. Even if the Rockies aren't, that still doesn't mean that this was a bad idea. Worth keeping all of that in mind. You know, during the hand wringing and the pitchforks and stuff. All right. I hope that made sense to you all. Let me know what you thought. Hit me up on Twitter, at Drew Creaseman. You can always slide into the DMs and ask me about the Discord channel. Make sure you're checking out all the other podcasts here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network and all the written content over at milehighsports.com. I appreciate you all for listening, and I hope that you will continue to be absolutely awesome out there. You know that I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark.